Hello, everybody. This is P. Norman Grant with Slim Jim and another edition of The Grapefruit Agenda, where we analyze, criticize, circumcise, trivialize, and sometimes even excoriate versions of the news and what passes for reporting on current affairs and such. So why grapefruit? Because, well, we're in grapefruit country. This is Indian River County, home of grapefruits. And we're sweet on conservatism and sour on liberalism. Today's episode is entitled, The Cost of Climate Change Caca. And we're here with Jim, so say hello, Jim. Hello, Jim. No, say, <laughs> no, he just said, that's Jim. Good to have you, Jim. P. Norman Grant here, and Kamala Harris today. Kamala Harris, she's on the energy kick to clean energy. She says, if we get clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce the population, we're going to have children breathing clean air and just, wait a minute. Reduce the population. Is she trying to reduce our population, or did she mean pollution? So she's right on. She's right on key. Kamala's helping us out. She wants green, and she wants to reduce the population to do it. So maybe that's what's going on with all the, the gayness and the transsexual. Maybe she's trying to reduce the population. Sounds like it. So the kids can breathe cleaner air. That's a whole nother. They just popped up today, grapefruiters. But what we're really after is describing the heat out there. It's, it's hot outside. And uh, I've yet to see any spontaneous combustion. I mean, Jim and I placed a little bit of golf, and I've not seen anybody burn up on the golf course. So I'm not sure it's as hot as our media thinks it is. So the other day, in our local paper, on the Treasure Coast, headline, highs will be in the 90s, but may feel like 108. Now, what they're trying to do is induce some factuality here. And what they're trying to say is it's going to be record temperatures. Again, they always threaten the records. It's going to be another record. Well, it says that 97 degrees was the record in Vero. When did that happen? In 2015. So that was how many years ago? Jim, can you do the math? Eight. Eight years ago. Eight years ago, we had the record. So it's cooling then. Is it chilling? It's killing. It's cooling. It's cooling. Fort Pierce. Fort Pierce. Hit 101. When did they do that? In 1950. So we're trying to figure out, is it getting hotter or not? Well, it may not be getting hotter, but sure seems that way. As a matter of fact, the climate change and the global warming, is it's rotting the seaweed. It's creating dead fish. we got red tide. We've got all these things happening. We have dangerous rip currents. This is from the other, the other day, after the predicted highs. What else do we have? Stinky seaweed, more red tides, dangerous rip currents caused by climate change. Flooding, too. Flooding, flooding up in Vermont, the floods, the wildfires up in Canada caused by Trump. I mean, did I say Trump? No. Caused by, caused by global warming from having too many big people. Maybe if you're overweight by 20 pounds, that adds to our carbon footprint. And so the global warming could come from that. But I doubt that it's happening as much as they say. One thing I'm very interested in is the shoreline. It says vanishing shorelines. I'm going through all the information for the vanishing shoreline. Dangerous rip currents. That happens every year. Dead fish winding up in... Well, it says... Here's, they're talking about Texas. They can't find it nearby. As a matter of fact, here's the seaweed picture. Now, when we went down to Key West, we saw the seaweed all over the Keys, right? Yeah. What I was thinking of was, well, how come they can't just rake it away? It takes time and money. Time and money. So do we have time and money to do that? We're going to get into it because it's the high cost... The high cost of global warming. I'm thinking it's a conspiracy with all those those rich Republican houses right there. I think the left, 
and the echo, the echo terrorists wanted to keep the stinky seaweed there just to annoy the Republicans on the, in the big houses. There you go. Is that likely? That's yeah. possible. So the conspiracy continues. So Mother Nature is in charge, people. That's the, the, the answer. So the rotting seaweed and dead fish and the shorelines disappearing, but I'm, I'm still looking for the vanishing shorelines. It's nowhere, it's nowhere in here. Beach is disappearing. Don't see it. Now, we have a little erosion here from time to time, but that's Mother Nature, too. It comes back. So let's go to some factuality here, too, from the Wall Street Journal. It says, hottest days ever? Don't believe it. Article by Steve Malloy. So if we really think it's the hottest days ever, let's see if there's any factuality. So the global warming industry, I like when they start with that. It it is an industry. It is. It's a money-making scam, people. For those unconvinced, why are you listening to this program? I'm trying to convince you. Do I have to convince the grapefruiters? I don't think so. But you can tell your mama that the global warming industry has declared that July 3rd and 4th were the two hottest days on Earth on record. The reported average global temperature on those days was 62.6 degrees Fahrenheit, supposedly, or as my sister would say, supposedly, the hottest in 125,000 years. Now, remember, the first climate change deal we did was 2 million B.C. Remember that with with the Rockwell Welsh? And so we've tried to figure out, well, how did they get the temperatures from those years to compare it to today? So the claimed temperature was derived from the University of Maine's Climate Reanalyzer. It's a magic re. It might look like a little laptop. The re analyzer, like a magic eight ball. It could be a magic eight ball, which relies on a mix of satellite temperature data and computer model guesstimation, guesstimation or guesstimation. If you look that up in Wikipedia, which would it be? Guesstimation or guesstimation? Guesstimation. I'm going with guesstimation, but I could say guesstimation to calculate estimates of temperature. Now, when you calculate an estimate. Does that seem factual or sort of imaginary? It's imaginary, of course. It just doesn't look real. estimate is not factuality. There you go. It's a claim. Yes. So one obvious problem with the updated narrative is that there are no satellite data from 125,000 years ago. Calculated estimates of current temperatures can't be fairly compared with guesses of global temperature from thousands of years ago. And yet they do it. Maine, if you believe somebody from Maine. There's some nice people up there in Maine. But when you get inside the colleges and universities... The people turn a little cynical, a little skeptical. So a more likely alternative to the 62.6 estimate is something around 57.5 degrees. Now, can we believe the Wall Street Journal? This guy Malloy is a senior legal fellow at the Energy and Environmental Legal Institute. So the latter, 57.5, is an average of actual surface temperature measurements taken around the world and processed on a minute-by-minute basis by a website called Temperature Global, if we believe them. Wow. So they have little outposts here and a thermometer there, and it could stick those thermometers wherever they might go. So the numbers have been steady this year with no spike in July. So interesting, the Wall Street Journal will say, that, well, the numbers are kind of, kind of counterfactual and not really enough to scare. But here's a man we can rely on, Mr. Rebuttal, Bjorn Lomborg. He's trying to get rid of the scare. And what he's talking about is the exaggeration of the scare because he's seen these people nationwide, internationally, try to scare everybody into paying for the reduction of global warming. Pay. You have to pay. It's like the carbon tax. So somebody's getting the money for reducing the temperature. So if the temperature here, as we have seen, is really not that big an improvement or that big a rise – then what are we paying for? 
sounds like a scam to me. So Bjorn Lomborg from Copenhagen, Denmark, a reliable place for intellectual people. He said, you know, this is a, a, a speech to the Hillsdale College National Leadership Seminar. This is just in 23 in Irving, Irving, Texas, okay? In a recent survey of Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development Countries, i.e. all rich countries in the world, about 60% of respondents said they believe that global warming will likely or very likely lead to the end of mankind. This is the result of the fact that a lot of the conversation around global warming is vastly exaggerated. This is Lombard. Lombard is saying they went to the, uh, the middle of the furnace, the furnace being the people who want to get your money to clean up global warming. There are the devils. It's down in the devil somewhere. So it's really hot down there where the people are lying their asses off. They're frying and they're lying down below. So if the world will end in 12 years, what was the girl's name, Greta? Greta Thun, yes. Yeah, Greta Thunderass, yeah. If the world will end in 12 years, if we don't address climate change, as U.S. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez claimed in 2019. By the way, if you have a long name like that, I think that's... That actually feeds the fires, too. That creates more carbon footprint. Because, well, the print right on the... spit it out of your mouth, and yeah, that creates more carbon. Exactly. Aspiration. The yeah. aspiration, exhalation. And also the print on the copy of paper that's using more ink because of the letters of her name. Exactly. Which might transfer over to football players with three... Well, I digress. All right, so if the world will end in 12 years, says Ocasio, she claimed this in 2019, she was then justified in demanding that we should spend whatever it takes to prevent that from happening. So Lomborg is on there making fun of Ocasio and Greta and the people who want you to pay money to cool off the earth. So if you think the world is ending, that climate change, this is Lomborg, that climate change is the equivalent of a giant meteor hurling towards earth, political rhetoric of that sort makes sense, if you believe her. But I think it can be really easily demonstrated that climate change, however serious, is not an incoming giant meteor. This is the value of Lomborg, the rebuttal to the climate change hoax. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres and many Western leaders, including the current administration in the U.S., tend toward the end of the world point of view. The world is facing a grave, this is Secretary General, the world is facing a grave climate emergency. Every week brings new climate-related devastation. Floods, like in Vermont. Droughts, like all over the Southwest. Heat waves, like we have right here. Wildfires, like in Canada and Australia. And California. And superstorms and the increase in superstorms. So Lomborg actually deflates all of those claims. But on we go with the Secretary General. Climate change is the biggest threat to the global economy. And so Lomborg says these claims are echoed endlessly in the media. But are they true? Consider the supposed rise in superstorms. Now, every year we get the predictions of hurricanes here. Last year we got, we got hit. We got one hit and a half hits. We got a little one on the East Coast. Got the big one on the West Coast. But as Lomborg postulates, much less than the predictions year over year. In fact, this year, it's kind of deflated because I saw the weather tiger. And all these people from U.S., World Report, uh, AP, all these people are predicting a mild to less than average hurricane season. But it takes a lot of huspah for them to say that because they always say it's going to be worse, worse, worse. So the superstorms, such as strong, stronger hurricanes, what do we actually know? The annual number of hurricanes that make landfall in the U.S. since 1900 is slightly declining, not increasing. The same is true for major hurricanes, Category 3 and above, hitting the U.S. We see the same thing if we look at world data for total 
hurricane energy in the satellite era, 1980 to 2022. In fact, 22 was the second lowest recorded year. That was last year. Year before we got hit with the hurricane on the West Coast. What was the name of that hurricane, Jim? What the heck? It was a it was a big one. Uh, in fact, it was a was that an Ian? Oh, I think it was a man's name. In fact, twenty two was the second lowest. Did you hear that reported anywhere, Lomborg S? Why would the media not want to report that we had a lower than average hurricane year? It contradicts their scare tactics. They have a scare tactic. They want you to buy the papers, do the clicks, because if you're not scared, you ain't buying their their product. So you never see that. So because it doesn't fit the dominant narrative, that's Lomborg's elocution. So what about the supposed increase in wildfires due to climate change? A typical example was the media coverage of the forest fires in Australia in 2020, which left readers and viewers with the impression that almost all of Australia was burning. I heard about that. Looking at the satellite imagery, however, it was clear that although there were a lot of fires close to where the news crews lived in Sydney and Melbourne, it was one of the lowest levels of burning due to fire on record for Australia as a whole. So you get it. If the fire and the story, the story is close to the news people, they'll go out of their door, take a skateboard and and go cover it. Right. But if it's a couple hundred miles out in the desert, not going to see it. So Lombard goes on to to talk about the cost, the cost of climate change consequences. So he has another little pop up here. He says, to begin, think smartly about climate change. We have to understand climate related economics. There are costly damages associated with climate change. But he admits there's climate change, costly damages. But there are also costly damages associated with climate policies. He's into engaging Americans and seeing that the climate policies to alleviate climate change is much too expensive. Too many politicians, he says, and the media focus only on the former, the damage from climate change, not on the damage from the policies. Since we must bear the cost of the policies as well, as the cost of climate change, we and our policymakers should take both into account. So he says, this is Lombard, that the claim is made that net zero can be attained. That's when we have less carbon fuel and we have more green energy and it evens out. And so we're in a good place because we're all green, green men from Mars, green people on the earth. That's called net zero. This is the claim made by the UN that we reach a reach 100% of net zero by 2050. No more carbon footprint, 2050. But that's highly unlikely, says Lombard, mainly because of the incredible cost and the economic damage it would do. So he goes on to say in a recent study in Nature, the big magazine Nature, to achieve a 20% emission reduction by 2050 would cost each American $75 a person per year. Is that worth it to you, Slim Jim? No, it's Se- not. 75 bucks. I think it's pie in the sky. 75 bucks. That's uh, unattainable. That's a meal for two at Outback. Does that include kids that don't have any income? In- interesting. So the costs rise exponentially from there. A 40% reduction would cost about $500 per person. I know you wouldn't go there, Jim. Per- that's uh, per year. 60% would cost 2000 bucks per year. 80% would cost $5,000. So an 80% reduction. In greenhouse and in emissions, greenhouse emissions per year, we cost five thousand bucks. That's the amount of what would you spend five thousand dollars on? How about a new awning for the RV? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most people would be either unable or unwilling to spend that amount of money. Not to mention unlikely to vote for those who advocate those policies. This is interesting. So the people who are cognizant, people who are really awake, not woke, but awake 
would see the people who are clamoring for these policies so that you could pay $5,000 a year so that we get 80% reduction in greenhouse gases. That would be worth it to them. We vote them out. That's the end result. In fact, even the most draconian measures couldn't net us net zero by 2050, the purported aim of the Biden administration and many other Western governments. So it's going to be $11,000 a person to get to 95%. And Lomborg is the guy with the economic indicators. Trillions of dollars, trillions of dollars. Now, he's the only sane one in the world. He's the most sane and the most published sane person. That's Lomborg. So I was very concerned when I see this, though. This is what started my by uh, burr in the saddle. Okay. You put the burr in the saddle. So I'm looking at it again. This is a Associated Press article called Nations Agree to Slash Shipping Emissions. So I'm looking at all these huge cargo containers off the shores of, uh, this is probably uh, San Diego. So they had an agreement, the Maritime Nations, Associated Press article, Maritime nations agreed Friday to slash emissions from the shipping industry to net zero by about 2050. <laughs> Same number. Are we getting this clear, grapefruiters? This 2050 is, uh, I don't know, half of us are not going to be alive. In a deal that several experts and nations say falls short of what's needed to curb warming to agreed temperature limits. These people are all up in arms, their hair is on fire because it's going to fall short. So the countries at the meeting of the United Nations, again, United Nations, ruled by the dude we just talked about, the International Maritime Organization in London of the United Nations, seen as key to curb global warming to 2.7 degrees. This goes along with the Paris Accords that Trump got rid of and Biden brought back. If you don't think it's political, then you're a little hypocritical. Not paying attention. You're not paying attention. See, so Fahrenheit, so since uh, such as key to global warming to 2.7 Fahrenheit, since pre-industrial times, signed a deal, these people signed a deal for shipping emissions to reach net zero by 2050. Less firm, the less firm deadline was agreed to take account of different national circumstances, the less firm. So it's going to be less than Paris. It's going to be 2.7 instead of what, 4.5. So the plan also calls for shipping emissions to be slashed by at least 20%, but aiming for 30% by 2030, nearly 70%, working toward 80% by 2040, despite a push from Pacific nations, us, Canada, UK. Now, I'm looking at the ships out there. And remember, they were stalled. They called it the supply chain, and we couldn't get our, our fair share of prophylactics. We couldn't un- unload the ships, right? Golf balls. They're waiting for port room. Candlesticks from uh, Thailand. So we couldn't get our stuff. So now they want to slash emissions. This is the gas that keeps these things going. Now, can you imagine 20 million ton container being fueled by a large solar panel that's flying? (laughs) You'd have to get a maybe a blimp or a dirigible to carry the battery that's going to fuel. It's unbelievable. I mean, literally unbelievable. So you're going to cut the emissions Put sails on them. We could put sails in the boat. Well, let's go back to old times. How many how many cases of beer could they bring from Germany with a sailboat? I think it's not going to work. But they used to do it, didn't they? Yeah, but we are much many more people, and we have like, beer is much more expensive. So the experts calculate the industry must cut its emissions by forty. Okay, so this is crazy, people. So they want to have less trade going across the country. When we say the cost. This is going to increase the cost of everything we buy. Now you're paying attention. It's going to not only cost more, but there's going to be less stuff coming across when we want it. 
And this is the, the ultimate evil of the green people. They want less stuff. They want less stuff. So here's a guy who says, we do not have the time to wait for regulation or alternative fuels to catch up. We have to slow down right now. We need to move with urgency and work with what we have to slow down the delivery of goods because it's going to heat up and kill the fish on the shore in Tallahassee. I mean, come on, man. The decision in introducing shipping levy on Aleppo, oh, a levy. Here we go. So a shipping levy on carbon emissions to help for investment in cleaner fuels and technologies and support developing countries, green ambitions has been deferred. So they're pausing on this in an effort to share the wealth. This is really a wealth redistribution program so that the people in the third world don't have to pay a darn dime. They don't pay a dime. And they may maybe moving some of the stuff on those container ships anyway. So we want to pay for their their sins, their pollution sins over in uh, Africa and Kenya and Ghana and the, the Ivory Coast. They have just too much darn factories over there, and they're causing such an uproar. But we're going to pay for their we're going to pay for their pollution. We're going to pay for their sins. That's us. That's the American way. That's the American way of green energy. These are the costs, people. The costs of the climate change hoax. Because, but this is free. P. Norman Grant and Slim Jim will see you some other time. The Grapefruit Agenda.